0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee where a circuit judge has delivered a swift kick in the butt to the governor and the state education commissioner blowing up their emergency order forcing Florida schools to reopen by the end of the month or lose money. It was a huge win for the Florida Education Association.
1: You lost today, Mr. Commissioner and Mr. Governor because you're wrong. We won because we're on the side of right. The side of right is about public health and public safety and keeping people alive.
0: Meanwhile, in Miami, the governor sounds more like he's warming up for a victory lap in the fight against COVID-19.
2: Today, the state reported the lowest number of new cases since June 14th, and we've seen that downward trend
0: pretty consistently over the past several weeks. The governor made those remarks before the judge issued his ruling on school reopening. The Department of Health reported 2,258 new cases of coronavirus Monday, along with 72 more fatalities. The statewide death toll is 10,534. The total number of infections is just short of 603,000. The Republican National Convention is underway, and Florida Republicans are getting screen time, while Florida Democrats trash the president from the sidelines.
3: He goes into the Republican convention with literally Floridian's blood on his hands from his inept, incompetent, disastrous leadership of COVID-19. His sidekick, Governor DeSantis, is equally complacent.
0: Today on Sunrise, we take a deep dive into the huddle as the Miami Dolphins announce the reopening of Hard Rock Stadium for football fans next month. Seating is limited, masks are mandatory. This idea that you don't want to wear a mask and no
4: one can tell you whether you wear a mask, if that's your idea, please, that idea is not welcome in
0: this city and it is not welcome in this stadium. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with a couple of Florida men who should have known better. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, August 25th. A circuit judge in Tallahassee rules against the governor and the education commissioner, saying the state's rush to reopen public schools is a violation of the state constitution. Kendall Coffey was lead attorney for the Florida Education Association's lawsuit.
5: It's very challenging to seek an order that says that state actors were acting unconstitutionally. In this case, though, the evidence is overwhelming. It was a case where The evidence showed that safety was missing in action and that the judge said, as the Florida Constitution says, there is a paramount duty of safety. Safety is an imperative for our children and, and of course, the, the educational community.
0: It's only a temporary injunction, and the state has already filed notice it will appeal, which means they get an automatic stay until the union files yet another appeal. F.E.A. President Frederick Ingram says they'll ask the judge to overturn the stay. He also says the governor and the education commissioner should not spend another dime of tax money defending the indefensible.
1: This commissioner of education went across this state talking about grace and compassion. And so we're going to remind him of that every single day. We need to be led with grace and compassion with people who take care of kids and students every day, who give their lives to our public schools. So yes, we will fight, but shame on a governor who would take us to an appeal. Shame on a governor who would fight kids and classrooms and public school teachers to try and do something uh, that is punitive to a teacher when they're trying to look out for their own safety or their own health or their own family. Shame on a commissioner of education who would spend taxpayer dollars to to try and reinvent some kind of frivolous defense when you've already been proven that you are wrong. You lost today, Mr. Commissioner and Mr. Governor, because you're wrong. We won because we're on the side of right. The side of right is about public health and public safety and keeping people alive. Mr. Corcoran, Mr. DeSantis, do not spend taxpayers money trying to appeal this case. We're asking you, let's work together. Let's be guided by science. This is not a win where we go and hang our hat and beat our chest. People are dying in our state. It is out of control. We do not have this virus under wraps. And we can do this together if we do it and are led by science, with heart, with grace and compassion, and not by politics and not by funding.
0: This ruling only applies in Florida, but Randy Weingarten with the National Education Association says it's a dramatic statement that safety comes before politics, and she hopes it will resonate nationwide.
5: It is our obligation to actually make sure that we keep people safe. Our kids, our communities, and our members. Please stop thinking politically. This is a pandemic. This is a virus where people are getting hurt, where people are getting killed. Let's make sure that safety counts first. After 9-11, Republicans and Democrats together understood that safety counted first. After school shootings, people understood that safety counts first. In this pandemic, safety has to count first. That's what this judge said, and that's what we're going to try to do as a national union throughout the country.
0: The Florida Department of Health reported 72 more fatalities and 2,258 newly confirmed cases of coronavirus Monday. That is the lowest number of new cases since the middle of June. And Governor Ron DeSantis, well, he's sounding pretty chipper about it
2: just look at the different trends in the state of Florida. I mean, obviously this is something that we're gonna continue to have to deal with, uh, but in the state of Florida right now statewide, uh, the number of the people who are hospitalized with COVID positive diagnosis is down over 50% over the last month. Uh, Yesterday, 823 was the lowest number of people admitted to the hospital for COVID since June 18th. And the weekends are usually a high time for admissions. And so that trend has been very, very strong with lower admissions. The number of people visiting the emergency department for COVID-like illness has declined about 75% since the peak of July 7th statewide, and the decline in Miami-Dade has been significant since their peak here. Uh, Today, the state reported the lowest number of new cases since June 14th, and we've seen that downward trend pretty consistently over the past several weeks. Uh, The positivity rate in terms of the percentage of tests coming back positive was 5.2%. For today, Broward was 4.3%. And then you got places like sarasota two percent pinellas 2.9 miami-dade has seen a real significant decline they're not quite at that sarasota pinellas level uh, yet but it's trending very positively for a county that was 20 to 25 percent to now be in single digits consistently and hopefully go down um, even further and then one of the most i think important statistics that a lot of people don't talk about as much but in terms of reducing uh, particularly reducing mortality and saving lives is the percentage of staff of long term care facilities. The two week average is now down to 1.32%. So you go back six weeks. You know, we were seeing a lot of outbreaks at long term care facilities. Uh, Miami had the most by far. Uh, Now all of those have really ebbed, which is a great sign. And I think we're about 90% of the facilities. Now we have over 4,000 facilities in Florida, but about 90% uh, and maybe even more than that, but right, at least 90 percent, I think, don't have a single case for staff or resident right now. So those are good trends. Um, as we know, I mean, there's a lot of things that are uh, um, that are unknown, and, and you just got to take it step by step, day at a time. But I think that clearly, if you go back six weeks, you know, to where we were, to where we are now, uh, th- those are those are positive trends, and they're durable trends, and they have been.
0: One caveat here, the COVID reports issued on Mondays, they tend to have lower numbers across the board for cases, deaths, and hospitalizations, while Tuesday's numbers, they tend to be a bit higher as they catch up on the weekend reports. As of now, there are still more than 4,600 people hospitalized for COVID in Florida, and that's about 500 fewer than last week's average. Miami-Dade is still the hotspot in the Sunshine State, but County Mayor Carlos Jimenez says they're cooling down.
6: We have uh, seen positive trends in Miami-Dade County. We have seen our positivity rates dipped below 10% for the last six days. Today's rate again is under 10%. We've seen our hospitalizations drop by more than 50% here in Miami-Dade, the high of about 2,300 people in the hospital with COVID-19. Today we have about 1,000 people and we hope and we expect that number to continue to go down. Our new patients going into the hospital were in the hundreds before today's is something like 60 people going into the hospital with uh, with COVID-19. But we all have to take part, we have to continue to be vigilant, just because we're looking at opening up other sectors of our community, or other sectors of our economy here in Miami-Dade, doesn't mean that COVID-19 is over. We all have to wear our masks. We all have to keep our, our distance. We all have to wash our hands. And if we do that, then we continue to uh, open up the economy, continue to go back to a more normal uh, life not only here in Miami-Dade County, but in the state of Florida.
0: While Republicans like DeSantis and Jimenez are sounding hopeful, Democrats like Miami Congressman Dona Shalala are still sounding the alarm.
3: Few states have suffered more under the incompetent leadership of Donald Trump. He goes into the Republican convention with literally Floridians' blood on his hands from his inept, incompetent, disastrous leadership of COVID-19. His sidekick, Governor DeSantis, is equally complacent. More than 10,000 deaths, 600,000 cases, many of which were preventable if the president had acted sooner and decisively to starve the virus. His chaotic leadership has left our unemployment in double digits, and he's failed us with no plan to confront the virus, no plan to open our schools, no plan to do anything other than dismantle the Affordable Care Act and weaken our water and And air standards he has taken away a woman's right to choose he's undermined public education and uh, he's left uh, DACA uh, young people uh, under the DACA program um, hanging uh, in the air he's ripped children from their families at the border Uh, campaigns really are not about candidates they're about the lives of people and this president is totally disconnected He wants to cut unemployment benefits from almost 1 million Floridians. He intends to cut nutrition assistance from millions of seniors and children. He's bankrupt our cities and states by his failure to sit down and negotiate the HEROES Act uh, with leaders of the House, Democratic leaders of the House and the Senate. And in the ultimate insult, he proposes to defund Social Security and Medicare who is reckless payroll tax elimination. Um, and uh, his assaults on the Constitution are unspeakable, including our right to vote by his his henchmen undermining uh, the post office and making it difficult and scary for people to mail in their ballots. Uncaring, incompetent, dangerous to the health and well-being of the future of ever Floridian It's time for him to go.
0: And while Republicans talk about the importance of family at their virtual convention, Orlando Congresswoman Val Deming says the Trump administration has become an instrument of chaos.
5: Over the last four years, we have seen the president create total chaos and one crisis after another. And the crisis he did not personally create, his total absence of leadership or a clear reasonable, sensible plan has made a bad situation worse. No, the president did not create COVID-19, but his poor, pathetic response to the virus, his inability to take a public health pandemic seriously and refusal to listen to medical experts, researchers and scientists. Has led to over, you know the numbers, 5.7 million people contracting the virus in this country and over 176,000 people in this country losing their lives. The President of the United States' number one concern, number one responsibility is the health, safety, and well being of the American people. Sadly, This president has failed all of us, but shockingly, he has not even had the ability or the desire to protect the most vulnerable and the most precious in our society our children and our seniors. We all know the horror stories from long term care facilities due to the administration's failure to provide adequate resources and supplies such as personal protection equipment. And if that's not enough, Trump is looking to rob Social Security and Medicare in a desperate attempt to mitigate the economic fallout due to his failure to get the virus under control. When we get the virus under control, we get our economy back on track. America's children, they are our most precious resource. This president, as you all well know, has no plan for the safe return of our children back into the classroom. And when pressed on the issue, he basically claims that children are immune from the virus. Now we all know that is just simply not true. The current occupant of the White House has abandoned our families, our children, our seniors. Under this president's failed leadership, our families are in crisis. And President Trump is incapable of doing anything about it.
0: Republicans will spend a lot of time during this week's convention accusing Joe Biden and the Democrats of trying to ban guns and take away your Second Amendment rights. Fred Gutenberg, whose daughter Jamie was killed during the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, says that's misdirection because the GOP is trying to avoid the issue of gun violence.
7: My children went to school on February 14, 2018. I sent two children to school to learn and be safe, and one of them I now visit in a cemetery. We had a president the past few years who has chosen to politicize my daughter's murder and other victims of violence, not do something about it. In fact, when he instructed Betsy DeVos to do a school safety report, she was instructed to not include the issue of guns. Joe Biden won't make that mistake. When you see them talk about what happened in Parkland this week, they're going to talk about it being about anything but guns. Joe Biden won't make that mistake. Simply put, a teenage boy was able to legally acquire the weapons and the ammunition and then due to the failures of many, simply walk into the school. He was no longer a student of that school. He hadn't been for almost two years. And that is the story of all gun violence. People make mistakes. People are able to illegally acquire the ammunition or uh, weapons to do it. And someone isn't there to stop it before it's too late. They can turn around and scream and blame everybody they want. The reality is in six minutes, 17 people died because of the gun. And so what I want to say is to those who are going to use the live this entire week, the Second Amendment is under attack. They're coming for your Second Amendment. They're going to pull it away. That's a load of BS, okay? The facts are we passed some gun safety measures in Florida after my daughter was killed. None of them were an affront to the Second Amendment. And not a single legal lawful gun owner in the state of Florida ever thinks about the gun safety measures we passed because they have no impact on them, but they have saved lives. That's what gun safety is about. The Second Amendment will remain intact if, they have, if the premise of their convention is going to start by saying it's under attack and it's going to be taken away, call them out on the lie that that is. Gun safety is going to pass because we are going to elect Joe Biden president. He called me 10 days after Jamie was killed. He has stayed in touch with me since because this issue matters to him, and he understands what my family went through with regards to grief. I do want to say one thing about Joe Biden. Um, When he talked about humanity, he exemplified that with me when the cameras weren't rolling, when we were talking alone on the phone. He talked to me about getting through grief. He talked to me about what my family and I should expect. And because of him, I was given the template to get through the next two and a half years.
0: Next up on Sunrise, we huddled with the governor and the mayor of Miami Gardens to hear about the return of professional football during the COVID crisis. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged.
2: The Florida Hospital Association has released the Open Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. Open stands for O. Observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all health care providers. You can read the open plan today at FHA.org.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. The governor flew to Miami Monday for what his press office described as a major announcement. Turns out he was there to congratulate the management of the Miami Dolphins for their plan to start the new season with as many as 13,000 fans in the stands. The Finns have come up with a plan for social distancing and no contact procedures within the stadium that are designed to minimize the risk of infection. Former jock Ron DeSantis couldn't be happier and he's hoping the Bucks and the Jags will follow their lead.
2: There's been a lot of Um, stress and angst over these last many months. It's been a difficult time for for a lot of people and and even people that had no interaction or or no contact with the actual virus itself. All the fallout that's happened has been very difficult in terms of people's uh, mental, physical well-being. And I think that having uh, something to look forward to uh, does give people uh, a bit of hope. I think this is a, a good sign that the dolphins are being so thorough about their plan. Uh, this is obviously a limited plan, but if you look at what they've done, it's really, really well thought out. and. Uh, probably they've thought of things that, that, that I would not have thought of and, you know, we've been doing this stuff day in and day out since February and so they really did a good job. Um, I know that they have been recognized with, uh, the GPAC STAR accreditation, uh, about facility cleanliness, but then if you look at how they've not only thought about the seating but then the fan interactions, every step of the way they're doing things to make, uh, to make safety something that's important. Now, the Dolphins aren't going to have to deal with Tom Brady in the division this year, but we do are fortunate in Florida to have Tom playing in Tampa Bay. And so we look forward to uh, both the Bucks and the Jags uh, following uh, uh, something similar. I know they're working on, on their plans, and also I think it's great that the University of Miami uh, is going to have a, a kind of a plug-and-play model to be able to come in here, and I know our other colleges and universities uh, are working on that as well. It's important uh, to have uh, to have football back, and um, and I really applaud the Dolphins for, for taking the steps necessary to do it. Um, you know, they're not going to make a lot of money this season uh, because of uh, of the circumstances, but I think uh, doing putting all the money that they did into this to be able to give the fans the ability. To, to watch some football in person, I think uh, I think means a lot. And look, we've been watching sports on TV, but when you watch the NBA with an empty arena or Major League Baseball with an empty stadium, it's just not quite the same. And I know this isn't going to be people falling from the rafters here, but it's, um, it, I think it is something that, that will give people a little bit of hope.
0: The announcement was made at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, and the mayor of that town, Oliver Gilbert, says they take social distancing seriously. In fact, he wishes other businesses were as serious as the Dolphins.
4: I think the story here today is going to be a couple of things. The first thing is the, the amount of resources and diligence the Dolphins have put into actually trying to create the safest possible environment. We understand that if you don't have a vaccine, if you don't have some type of herd immunity that exists in the community, that there's going to be virus in the community. But what they've done here, if we had every business owner um, pay this type of attention and commit this type of re- these type of resources to actually making it as safe as possible from when you pull on into the stadium in your car, to when you actually come in through groups, to how you seat, you're seat seated, to who you sit with, to how you order food, to how you use the restroom, if we actually to how they, they work with their employees. If you had every business operate with this type of diligence and attention to safety, we'd be in better position. Right now, our numbers are trending well, and, and one of the things that I talked about with them is, you know, th- This is the plan as it stands now, but they understand that if things start to look bad, they have to actually change that also. This building was built originally when I was a kid, and it was built to house over 70,000 people, and there's going to be 13,000 people here at the max. And so th- there's, there's going to be plenty of space. There's going to be plenty of space, and they've taken all the precautions that they can to actually make it as safe as possible. But ultimately, what this is going to come down to is whether we in South Florida here are going to be compliant. How are we going to govern ourselves? First things first, if you're not feeling well, if you think you are a part of a group of people who might be specifically susceptible to COVID, please don't come to the game. You know what your situation is, you know how you're feeling, understand all that and don't be selfish. If you're feeling bad, get tested. You know, If you know you're susceptible, don't, don't come, we'll figure all that stuff out, watch, watch on TV. You have to be a good member of the community with stuff like this. I got a text from someone asking me, you know, how is this safe? Listen, we have malls open. We have malls open right now. I know because my my shirt was too big and I had to go get one with a smaller collar. And there are people picking up clothes and putting them back down and people trying on clothes and those clothes going back out. It's how we're going to actually govern ourselves with regard to how we interact with each other and our new neighbor, COVID-19. They've done the best they can in providing an environment that can make it as safe as possible. Now we're going to see how the community behaves. Whether we can come to a game and be compliant and not be aggressively non-compliant. This idea that you don't want to wear a mask and no one can tell you whether you wear a mask. If that's your idea, please, that idea is not welcome in this city and it is not welcome in this stadium. If that
0: is your idea, that you can't be made to wear a mask, this is not the place for you. The experiment in social distancing with 13,000 people will take place at the Dolphins' home opener against the Buffalo Bills on September 20th. Your calendar of political events starts early with the Florida Board of Pharmacy meeting by conference call at 8. The Florida Elections Commission starts a two-day meeting at 8.30. A DOT task force meets online at 9 to work on plans for a new toll road from Collier County to Polk County. The Southwest Florida Water Management District Governing Board meets remotely at 9. The Florida Advisory Council on Climate and Energy will hold an online meeting at 10. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who ran for president this year, is speaking during an online meeting of the Forum Club of the Palm Beaches, that's at noon. Trustees from the University of North Florida hold an online meeting at noon to discuss a performance evaluation for their president. And the Florida Veterans Hall of Fame Council meets at 1. As always, we close the show with our Florida Man segment. There are two stories today, and I will apologize in advance because the last one isn't funny, ironic, or whimsical. In fact, it's just sad. A Florida man who supports Donald Trump is facing criminal charges after deputies say he punched a neighbor in a dispute over yard signs. Volusia County deputies say 55-year-old Tony Vulo of DeBerry was upset because his neighbor placed a Joe Biden sign in his own yard He thought it was blocking the Trump sign in his yard. So he yanked it out of the ground and when the neighbor confronted Vulo, deputies say he punched the guy in the face. He's charged with battery. Finally today, a Florida man who dismissed the coronavirus as a hoax has buried his wife who died after spending her final days on a ventilator. 46 year old Erin Hitchens and her husband Brian both contracted COVID-19 back in May after he refused to wear a mask and practice social distancing because he didn't believe the virus was a real threat. He eventually recovered from the disease His wife remained in intensive care for several months before passing away. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.